Hey there, my friend. Welcome to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. On this episode, we are going to deal with a really, really important topic that revolves around how God speaks to us and how we discern his voice. But before we jump into that topic, one quick announcement. I've been working on and brainstorming about and planning how I want to kind of repackage and re-deliver my online courses in a way that I think could be much more effective and much more helpful to people who really want to grow in Christ. And so I'm planning on kind of building that out more as an online community with online live trainings and an online group, as well as the courses then being delivered to you so that together we can learn and grow. There's an opportunity to ask questions and an opportunity to, to really be coached through how to put all this into practice so that together we can really grow growing our faith together. So I'm working on that. And in the near future, I am going to launch that. And so be keeping your ears open and either listening here on uh, the podcast or following me on social media where I'll give some updates or even better, if you're not on my email list, get on my email list and I'll actually send out an email or two or three when that comes up uh, ready to go so that you can sign up right then and there. And I'm super excited about that because I think this will be a much more effective way than just a one-off course for helping people really grow in their faith and become like Jesus. So be tuned in for that and be watching for that. All right, in this episode of the podcast, we are going to answer this question, how does God speak to us today? Or maybe another way to say it is, how do you hear the voice of God? So let's jump right into it. Once again, welcome to the Bible and Life podcast. On the podcast here, we like to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology in everyday dress, theology that's connected to everyday life, theology that is said in the context of where you and I and everybody else actually lives on a daily basis and the stuff sometimes we're wrestling with on a daily basis. This question is really a, an important theological question that has profound daily life implications. And the question is, how do we hear God? How does God speak to us? And this is not just a theoretical question. This is not just a theological question. This is a pastoral question with deep, deep life implications for us. How do I know that? Well, I know that because I just got an email on this question, for example, just a week ago. People wrestle with this. I just had a, a lady who had walked with Jesus probably for 40 years tell me, when I explained this topic, she said, I have wondered about that question for so long, you just answered a real question of mine. And so this is a real important question. This email I got just a week or two ago was from a young gal, college-age gal, who had been wrestling with this issue. Here's her email she sent me. Hey, John, I have a question for you. How do you discern the voice of God? And then she begins to detail in a rather long email how she's been wrestling with this question and how it's been chewing her up. Like, you know, should I go and do this? Is that God telling me because I feel a prompting that way? Or is that just my own thoughts or what? Should I not do this? Because it's not really a sinful thing. It's a freedom thing. But if I do that, am I finding comfort in that over against God? Or And she just details this angst and this wrestling that she's having over how do I discern whether it's just my own thoughts or 
or God trying to prompt me to do something and speaking to me, or maybe even the devil trying to micromanage my life. In fact, here's how she ends her this email. She says, after describing this whole struggle she's had for several months, she says, for the past couple of months, I have been a shell of a person. And I know that I can't pull myself out of this. I need God's help. I struggle with discerning between God's voice, my voice, and the voice of a stranger. I know God could ask me to do things that don't make sense to me. I'm really not sure what to make of my mental state anymore. I constantly question if it's God trying to work in me and teach me self-denial and obedience, or if it's the enemy trying to wear me down by micromanaging my life. And she's just had this angst that has eaten her up, and she, she wants to please God. How do I hear God's voice? How do I know that it's God actually speaking to me? As I said, this is a profound and powerful question that has deep life implications, and we need to think it through at a real biblical level. And part of the reason this is such a struggle for us is there's just so much unhelpful and unclear teaching on this topic, and then it leads us to just this kind of struggle that this gal describes or so many other struggles that have real life implications. Let me give you a couple other examples. Uh, I knew of uh, a guy, a young man, again, college age, in his 20s. This was a number of years ago, who uh, he and his girlfriend had been dating for a couple years. They were really in sync. They both loved Jesus. They both were on mission for Jesus. Their life was heading the, the same direction, and they wanted to do life together, and they wanted to do ministry together, and uh, they were really synced up, right? Loved each other and all that, but this is what he said to me. He said, I, I, I love her. I want to marry her. I think she'd be a great partner in life and in ministry, but I haven't asked her to marry her because, here's the catch, because I haven't heard God tell me that I should marry her. And so even though all signs and all indication pointed in the direction of she would be a great wife and a great spouse and a great ministry partner, he was like, but I haven't heard God tell me to marry her, so I haven't asked her to marry me yet. Man, you see the life implications of this unhelpful and unclear teaching on this subject? Or again, uh, the flip side of that, I actually know another person who... Um, just decided she wanted to divorce her husband. There was no biblical grounds. There was no immorality, right? There was no abuse. There was nothing. They just had a C-minus marriage, and she wanted out. She was tired of working on it and having it not get better, and she had contributions to the C-minus marriage. He had contributions. They both needed to change and grow, and neither one of them were apparently doing that at that point in time. And she decided she'd had enough and she wanted out. So she started making up all sorts of accusations and excuses, none of which were true. And so when some mature spiritual friends called her on that, sat down with her and just appealed to her, like, look at yourself and look at what you're doing and look at your behavior. This is not of God. This is how she responded. She responded with, I know God's okay with this because I prayed about it and God told me that he's fine if I divorce my husband. Now, there was nothing, biblically speaking, that gave her any indication of that, but she had prayed about it and God told her. This question of how we hear the voice of God and how God speaks to us has profound life implications. And so often, it's marked by unhelpful teaching from pastors and 
uh, theologians and Christian books and Christian memes and podcasts that's just not helpful, not clear, and doesn't really teach us. So in the next little bit, I want to at least try to bring a little clarity to how God speaks to us today. And here's where the problem, as I see it, really lies. In this unhelpful teaching that oftentimes we get here in sermons I've listened to, books I've read, uh, social media posts I've read, here's where I see the problem lying. The problem lies in trying to make the exceptional normal. Trying to make the exceptional normal. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, I see uh, people taking what is exceptional cases in the Bible and then trying to say and uh, that that's normal. That's the way it should always be. Or taking those exceptional cases and comparing them to their experience of a prompting, a nudge, a feeling that God told them certain things. Let me be really specific. I have heard, for example, sermons of someone, say, taking Moses and God speaking to him at the burning bush and say, see, that's God speaking to people. We should expect God to speak to us the same way he spoke to Moses. Now, that's the first problem. You've taken an exceptional case with Moses, um, who's an exceptional person in God's plan and the big story of the Bible, and you've tried to make that usual, typical for all of God's people. But then, even worse, they take God literally speaking out loud in an audible voice through a miraculous burning bush, and then they compare that to an inner feeling or an inner prompting in their heart and say, that's the same thing. And it's not the same thing. It's not me feeling like God is leading me in a direction, me feeling a nudge or a prompting to go a certain direction, me maybe sensing that God wants me to do something is not the same thing as God literally out loud speaking to Moses. That's making the exceptional normal, or at least trying to. I've heard the same thing with like the Apostle Paul and some of the things we see with him in the book of Acts, which, by the way, 30 years of Paul's life recorded in the book of Acts and only a handful of cases where there's very clear direct speaking from God to Paul, right? Even in his case, it seems to be exceptional. So we need to avoid taking what God does in exceptional cases with exceptional characters in the Bible and say, that's just the way it always is. That's normal. That's not normal. And then we need to avoid taking those exceptional cases and then diluting them and watering them down and saying that, well, God may have spoke out loud to Moses, but that's the same thing as God, you know, prompting you or you feeling that, that God led you a certain way. So that's the problem. That's not the way we should do it. That's not how God speaks to us. So how does God speak to us today? And I want to answer that question in two parts. Uh, part one, we'll look at sort of like this is the default, the basic way that, that should shape all of our expectations for communication from God. Part two, we'll then wrestle with, I think, where a lot of the confusion and the problem lies. Okay, so part one. Let's hit this fairly quick for the sake of time. But part one, uh, let me just summarize a fairly well-known biblical story. Luke chapter 9 tells the story of what we often call the transfiguration. It's when Jesus goes up on the mountain with three of his disciples, and his appearance has changed. He begins to shine bright and all of that, and Moses and Elijah appear with him. Now, you can read the whole story, but what, here's what I want to focus on is how that story ends. At the end of that story, God uh, overshadows uh, the three apostles that are with Jesus, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and God literally speaks out loud from the cloud, and this is what he says. God 
in Luke chapter 9 says, this, referring to Jesus, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Luke tells us, Jesus was found alone. Moses and Elijah were gone. Their day is done. And now Jesus is there. Listen to him. And so the primary way God tells us that he wants to speak to us is through his son. Listen to him. Now let's follow that up with a passage from John chapter 8, where Jesus is speaking to people who have believed in him. This is what he says. He says to those who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when he says, if you continue in my word, that word continue is to abide, to remain, to dwell. It's not just like a casual stopover. It's not just like, oh man, I need some advice for life because I have a difficult issue I'm facing. I'm going to open the Bible and read it at this moment. It's like, no, we remain, we abide and our roots go down deep into Jesus' word and our mind, our heart, our soul is saturated with Jesus' teaching. And so if we want to hear from God, this is the fundamental, basic, most important component of it is we need to listen to Jesus by dwelling in his teaching, by remaining and abiding in his teaching so that our values and our agenda and our aims and the outcomes that we're, uh, we're pursuing in life are all shaped by the teaching of Jesus and his apostles. All right. So that's part one. We need to make sure that we are deeply rooted in the teaching of Jesus and we're listening to him. Um, we abide in his teaching and we listen to him. The more we do that, the more likely it is we'll know what God wants us to do in life. The more likely it is we'll understand God's will for our life. All right, so that's part one. Dwell in the teaching of Jesus. Now, part two has to do with this issue, the issue of being led by the Spirit. Oftentimes, this idea of hearing from God and getting guidance from God is equated with being led by the Spirit. So I think it would do us well to at least ask the question, what does the Bible say being led by the Spirit actually means? And in order to answer that question, we need to look at really the one text that makes it clear what being led by the Spirit is. And that text is Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. Romans 8 14. But notice that verse begins with the word for. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God. In other words, it is directly connected to the preceding sentences, the preceding paragraphs. It's explaining something about it. And so this is a conclusion or directly connected to the preceding paragraphs. What was going on in the preceding paragraphs? Well, Romans 8, 1 and following, is all about walking by the Spirit, okay? And it's helping us understand that those who walk by the Spirit now can actually fulfill the righteous requirements of God that the Old Testament law couldn't. That was chapter 7. And so it's telling us that the way to please God now is to walk by the Spirit. 
And he explains some things about what that looks like and how to do that. So Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 say this, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Notice that, that as Paul makes this contrast between people who are of the flesh, who are of, and the flesh just refers to your, our fallen humanity, the fallen way of the world around us, right? It's human and all, hum, humanity and all their fallenness. So those who are of that, who are marked by that and defined by that, their mind is on those things. That their mindset is about the values, the goals, the ambitions, the dreams, the hopes, and even the fears of the fallen world around us. But those who are according to the Spirit, he says, they set their minds on the Spirit's things. So the things their minds are focused on and set on are the things of God's Spirit, the, th the values, the goals, the ways of doing life that God uh, that God has, right? And so if you're walking by the Spirit, then part of what that means is your, your mindset is going to be on the Spirit's things, on God's things, on Jesus' things. It's going to be full of those things. It's going to focus on those things. It's going to be a turn towards those things, the values, goals, agendas, ambitions, and ways of doing life that Jesus, God, the Spirit all teach and all value, all right? And so part of walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit has to do with that. Well, he goes on then a little bit later, verses 12 and 13. Notice that, verses 12 and 13, right before the part about being led by the Spirit. This is what Paul says. He says, So then, brothers and sisters, we're not under obligation to the flesh. We owe nothing to the flesh. Why? We've been set free of, from the flesh by virtue of what Jesus and the Spirit have done in our life. So we owe nothing to it. We don't have to listen to it. We don't have to obey it. We don't have to serve the flesh. We don't have to serve our own fallen humanity or fallen humanity around us, right? So we're under no obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. He says, if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. That uh, living a fleshly life is a dead-end street. It leads to death. That's just where it goes, right? But, he says, catch this, verse 13, if by the Spirit, you're putting to death the sinful deeds of the body, you will live. So if by the Spirit, you're putting to death all those misdeeds, all those bad habits, all those bad practices uh, that your body has learned from over time of doing wrong things, if you're with the Spirit's aid, the Spirit's help, the Spirit's power, putting those things to death, you will live. And then immediately after that is when he says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. Do you catch the connection? That being led by the Spirit has far more to do with how you actually conduct your life than specific guidance for specific decisions of your life. Being led by the Spirit of God has to do with putting to death the deeds of the body in verse 13. Being led by the Spirit of God has to do with setting your mind on the things of God. Uh, that's what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. So to be led by the Spirit of God doesn't mean, you know, you get nudges or promptings or, you, or God told you to do certain things. It's not that God can't do that. Obviously, in the exceptional cases we see in the Bible, God does sometimes and occasionally do that. It's just we don't need to expect him to. That's not what it means to be led by the Spirit here in this place where Paul actually tells us to be led by the Spirit. It means 
to walk by the Spirit in such a way that you're getting rid of the bad habits of sin and fallenness, and you're replacing that with God's values, God's way of doing life. In fact, the other major text on walking by the Spirit is Galatians chapter 5, and Galatians 5 makes it really clear that here are the deeds of the flesh— hostility, bickering, fighting, division, contentiousness, partying, right? All the sinful stuff. And here are the fruit of the Spirit. And the outcomes of being led by the Spirit um, is your character, like the ultimate mark of are you a person who is led by the Spirit? And it's not that you get nudges or you get promptings. The ultimate mark if you're led by the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That's Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's the ultimate mark of whether or not you're a person who is led by the Spirit of God. The point is, we are meant to be led by the Spirit or to walk with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is meant to be a daily walking partner in our life who enables and empowers us to live our life with the very character of Christ. The Spirit helps us put off um, our bad habits. The Spirit helps us replace our uh, bad character traits with new Christ-like character traits as we walk with Him daily in life. And so you put these two parts together, and what you have are, um, as followers of Jesus, we listen to Him by dwelling in His words, and we walk with Him by the presence of the Spirit in our life. And as we do that, we increasingly become like Jesus from the inside out. That's how we're led by God. That's how we're actually led by the Spirit or led by God in our life. As we listen to Jesus and we walk with the Spirit, we're actually led by God. And our life becomes more and more like Christ in our world. Well, okay, okay, I get that, but what about specific guidance for your life today? Does God do that, right? Like, do I need to be trying to hear God's voice on a regular basis? And does God, here, here let me just give you a few thoughts on that real quick. Um, first off, can God do that? Well, yeah, we see those exceptional cases in Scripture where God does that in exceptional cases. So God certainly can do that. Um, can God maybe nudge you or prompt you in a certain direction. Sure, God can do that. God can do that. In fact, if the I've said for years, if, if the devil can nudge me and prompt me towards wrong, God can nudge me and prompt me towards what's right, right? But being nudged or prompted in a certain direction is vague, unclear, ambiguous, and so we have to be really careful with it. It's highly subjective, highly subjective. And so the more you're actually formed by the Scripture— the teaching of Jesus, you're dwelling there and you're formed by that. And the more your character is embodying the character of Christ because the Spirit is producing his fruit in you, then the more uh, able you are to, to be able to take those promptings or those nudges and have them be right, like have them be in sync with Jesus because your mind, your heart, your soul, your will is increasingly aligned with Christ because you're dwelling in his teaching and you're walking with the Spirit daily so that your character now is full of the very character of Christ. So God can do that. What I would say is, I just don't think you need to expect him to do that. 
God's goal for you, his real dream for you, is to bring you to maturity in Christ. And he does that through you listening and dwelling in the teaching of Jesus and you walking with the Spirit and the Spirit making you like Jesus from the inside out. And then as he brings you to maturity, you're able to make Christ-like Uh, God-centered, wise decisions for your life because your mind, your heart, your soul is like Christ. It's full of God. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to have the very wisdom of God yourself so that you can make wise choices. He wants to bring you to maturity. Like with my adult kids, I don't want to constantly have to be telling them what to do. I want them to be so wise, so mature, so good, genuinely good from the inside out, that they can make good decisions in their life and they can lead a genuinely God-pleasing life without me having to constantly tell them, right? Like, And I think God wants the same thing for his children. God wants to uh, lead us to maturity where in partnership with him and full of his word, we just make good, wise, godly decisions because we're mature people who are rooted, rooted deeply in God himself through the teaching of Jesus and the Spirit's presence in our life. So to summarize, once again, if we dwell in the teaching of Jesus and we walk daily in partnership with the Spirit, we will be led by God. Our life will be led by God. And so that's what I would encourage you to do is just look at your life. Are you the kind of person who is immersed in and saturated with the teaching of Jesus? Do you read uh, the, the teaching of Jesus and his apostles regularly? Do you memorize it and soak it into your soul? If not, start there. If you want to hear from God and be led by God, then start with immersing yourself and dwelling in the teaching of Jesus and apostles. If you're like, no, I'm I'm doing that, I'm learning that, I'm growing that, well, then keep on with that and ask yourself, do do you walk in partnership daily with the Spirit? Is the Spirit your walking partner as you go about life, where you pause throughout your day and you remember Him and you recollect your thoughts and you reset yourself on God, where you're inviting God, Spirit, to guide you through the day and lead you and strengthen you to do what's right, where you're putting off the deeds of the body, the sinful deeds of the body by the power of the Spirit. Are you doing that? If not, well then, that's where you need to begin. And um, I actually recommend a book to you. There's a great little book by Kenneth Birding on walking with the Spirit. I'll put it in the links down below. Uh, below. It's a small little book that actually just goes through the various texts in the New Testament about walking with the Spirit and gives us concrete, both well-reasoned uh, Bible study as well as practical ways to live it out. And so I'll put that book by Kenneth Birding on Walking by the Spirit in the notes below. You can check that out. Maybe that'll help you learn more and more how to go about life in partnership with the Spirit. And then if you're doing that, then the third thing I would say is simply this, particularly when you have specific decisions to make, muddy water becomes clear if it's only still for a while. And sometimes we're just going, 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 going. And the reason we don't have any clarity is we need to be still. And so uh, carve out space in your day, in your week, in your year, carve out chunks of space to be still before God and to be still with God so that you can maybe gain wisdom from God and gain some clarity on who God has made you, what God is doing in the world, what's really important to God. And so some silence, some solitude, some stillness will really help you gain some clarity in life, particularly when you have uh, bigger decisions to make. And so I would encourage you as you seek to be formed in Christ, that you plan times in your life just to be still with God and be still before God. Daily times, uh, half an hour, 45 minutes, hour, just to be quiet, right? Maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening. 
weekly times, maybe some sort of Sabbath or where you're just going to be still. Uh, maybe bigger times throughout the year where you're just going to take some time to get away and, you know, spend a few hours in nature where you can just be still and be with God. And just let all the chaos and confusion of life drift away so that you can actually sit with God and you know him more and more. And you know what God is up to. And as you meditate on his word, you begin to see things more and more his way. So that's what I would say for you if you want to actually be led by God. Dwell in the teaching of Jesus. Immerse yourself in it. Walk daily in partnership with the Spirit. And as you do that, you will be led by God. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I hope that's helpful to you as you think through this topic of what does it mean to actually be led by the Spirit, be led by God, walk with Him, hear from Him in your life. So thanks for tuning in. Pray it's helpful to you. Thank you to each and every one of you who support this show, the Bible and Life, as a a listener-supported show as well as a listener-supported ministry. And so uh, if you donate to this ministry. Thanks a ton. You are making a huge difference in the lives of people all around the world. And if you want to become a partner with the Bible and Life, all you got to do is click the link to uh, the how to donate down in the notes below. It'll take you to a page where you can sign up for a one-time gift or a monthly gift as well. And you can donate to continue to help make these resources, not only the podcast, but some online courses, uh, YouTube, uh, other free resources, the listener's commentary that I give away. So uh, I would love to have you be a partner with this whole ministry so that we can continue to spread the word of God around the world and make a difference in people's lives. All right. God bless you guys. I pray you have a great week in Christ. I will talk to you again next week.